0: Hello and welcome to what a terrible idea! We're uh, just going to go through a quick Q and A on today's episode. Some questions that we've had um, from listeners. Uh, so if you ever, if you want to be on any future Q and As, just send them in on Instagram, and we'll uh, get them answered. But first, just to get you all up to date with everything hybrid, we've still got the workshop on the 20th of July. If you are in or around Bristol, it's uh, at Sweatbox Gym. Um, and that'll be our second workshop in Bristol of the year and we don't have any yet in the diary so if you did want to come to one, um, that's the only one we've got at the moment. Then we've also got the hybrid games on the 31st of August, um, also at Sweatbox, which is going to be an excellent adult sports day of some hilarious activities and some fitness-based activities as well. Uh, so if you'd like to get involved in that, there's going to be a sign up page on our website very very soon. So put that in your diary. And then also, in extremely exciting news, we released our first ebook. Way,
1: woo, yeah. Kind of applause in.
0: Uh, which we're really really excited about. Um, the finished product looks absolutely sick. We had um, one of Tom's friends from uni illustrated it for us, and he has done. Just the sickest job making it look like part comic book, part uh, handstand instructional.
1: He's very good at drawing things. He so. is. Excellent at drawing
0: things. So, on with the Q&A. But first, a fact of the day from hybrid member Dave Freux. This is an excellent one. I'm going to read out his full message to me. Mate, top fact of the week. Hippos have pink, uh, pink breast milk. This is due to two kinds of acids in the breast milk. hipposodoric acid, nor acid. This is also why in Africa they say hippos have blood sweat, but it's actually just an oil that goes red in the sunlight. Wow. It's great, isn't it? It's an excellent it's fact. Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: so, Dave, you can keep providing those facts for quite a while. Yep. As many hippo-related... Actually, all pachyderms. Pachyderm What's a pachyderm? Pachyderm is... Uh, it's like a group of animals. What's,
1: yeah. it, what's in a pachyderm? I think elephants?
0: elephants are pachyderms.
1: defines a pachyderm? Very large mammal. I don't mammal. know,
0: actually. I just know that hippos and elephants are pachyderms.
1: That'll, that'll be the fact of
0: the week. Next week, I'll yeah. <laughs> know what else is a pachyderm. You've got excellent vocabulary. Yeah.
1: A pachyderm.
0: A pachyderm.
2: Uh, yeah. Right. We'll research it now. Let's
1: want. all try and provide another pachyderm. Let's see who's correct.
2: Rhinos, I reckon.
1: Rhino, good one.
2: One right, is a good one. Have you got any? Um, elephants taken, isn't it? Elephants taken, mate, and hippos. Ah, interesting. What? In lightness. A horse is a packy no dim. I was gonna
1: say giraffe <laughs> to be fair.
2: Uh, that means surely zebras must be as well.
1: Zebras
2: have to kind of be. Horse, yeah. yeah. Pig. It doesn't say giraffe. It say zebra. It says pig. Yeah. Pig. Pig. Yeah. I, I don't understand. So what are is a just, then, then? Are we just naming animals? <laughs> no, I name the name of Tom doesn't understand
0: Dragons. Dragons are.
1: Uh, no. Um, Have you seen that meme of uh, um, what's more realistic? I can't believe unicorns aren't real. No. no. hilarious meme. Maybe less hilarious on radio, but. Yeah, less, <laughs> but we'll, we'll maybe link it in the show notes. Uh, um, it says. Um, can't believe unicorns aren't real. What's more realistic, a horse with a horn or a bloody horse with a twenty-foot neck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's refs and giraffes, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> they're not packing
1: in, so... Apparently not. Well, they might be. Wow. Do you know why? Have we have we done the zebra fact before? Why zebras are striped? I think we did do that. Didn't um, we? I'm, I'm not, not sure. Reenlighten me. I can't remember zebras uh, have stripes because it means that they essentially have less flies landed on them. Less less annoying flies land on them. Why? Um, because the... I can't remember the end of that reason, but essentially it means that the 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 flies that fuck them off all the time just land on them less if they've got stripes.
0: Mm. Mm. I thought what it was kind so of... they all like blended into one and they one so it was harder for lions to pick them off. Yeah, though, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's... No,
1: that's actually not the case. How do we know that? Uh, I was reading about it once. <laughs> yeah, how, how do we know there's, that? Because like, there, there was, okay, so there's, there's no, it's really hard to say exactly why things happen. Yeah. But there's like four theories as to why it is the case. Yeah. And that is the widely accepted theory now yeah. because they have less uh, like horse lies land on them.
2: Interesting. Very interesting. So many facts today. So many facts. Um,
0: okay, if you carry on talking a second, I'm just going to find out if giraffes are Pachydums. <laughs> I'm pretty and sure you we'll were
2: going to be- ask us the questions, mate.
0: I am going to ask you the question. So you just talk about pachydims a little bit more. We don't know what I they are, really. <laughs> I think we've exhausted
1: our conversation on pachydims. Could just say pachydims if you want to No,
0: and it's a major issue. Do you know everyone worries about elephants? But there's actually four times as many elephants as giraffes.
1: Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Giraffes are. They need to work on conserving them. Yeah. I'm going about
1: Also, they have horns.
0: So... They're sort of like unicorns, kind of.
1: Do you know giraffes have black tongues?
0: Yeah, I've been licked by a giraffe.
1: Why do they have black tongues? So less flies land on them. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about flies. Their uh, their tongues are out all day, so their tongues are black to protect them from sun damage. Mm. Lots of melanin. Yeah.
2: Wow. Oh, it's interesting.
1: I'm getting sunburned, like my lip is right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered
2: why it was so shiny. <laughs> <laughs> you go and
1: put Vaseline on it because it got. Burn at Glastonbury. Oh, oh, I hate Vaseline on my lips.
0: Mm, and yeah, because once lip. you start putting it on, you just got to carry on as well. Yeah,
2: and just lip, like just stuff on my lips is just not nice. I, I like
0: be. the feeling of it being on. No, I love putting it on. I could just put it on for ages, so I'd be <laughs> in your lips. So I could creep. like okay, better. Right, shall I ask some questions from our listeners? Let's, Let's have next. some Q and A's. Think. Some... So, um, also. Can I just request of our listeners, if you are going to send in questions, can you send them in in the format of a question, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to a statement that we have to partly decide for your meaning? <laughs> because all of, um, all of these are quite difficult. So, the first question, consistency versus variety. Question mark. <laughs> no, no <bad laughs> statement. So, I think it's like consistency versus variety, discuss.
1: Discuss. Well... <laughs> Uh, both have their place yeah the more you basically um, sort of like trading one for the other in in a lot of cases you can have loads and loads and loads of variety in your training if you really want but it's hard to keep loads of consistency if that's the case and vice versa you could have loads and loads of consistency in your training but it's hard to keep a lot of variety and if you do it that way well that's what most people think anyway it's not necessarily the, the case um, But you definitely like a a good training program should have plenty of variety anyway to keep you interested. But it should have you doing a few basic fundamentals uh, consistently to allow you to actually see some progress rather than just like constantly chopping and changing and doing random shit all the time. So I suppose the like the two extremes
0: of it are say, like on one end, like a starting strength style program, which is set for like you know, that's just set up and it's literally. Squat, bench, deadlift pretty much mm. three days a week, mm-hmm. and it's just set like that to go on and on. It's like a linear periodization, very little variety, especially in terms of exercise selection. Um, and then on the other extreme of varied, you've got CrossFit, where if it was mm. done as CrossFit was done, like started, this is, is literally different every day, mm. completely different energy systems, intensities. Every single day is something
2: entirely different. Yeah, what I would meant in terms of consistency is more so just like, not consistency of actually getting to the gym, because probably the more variety you have, the more engaging the program will be, so you're probably more likely to show up, unless you're one of those people who literally like doing the same thing over and over again, and just seeing like that tiny incremental bit of progress, but it's just much harder to kind of equate volume, equate intensity, equate load, if you're constantly doing a slightly different exercise variation, and yeah. um, so, like, like, you could do any any variation of an overhead press, for example. It could be a barbell, it could be a dumbbell, it could be a kettlebell, it could be handstand pipe press-ups, it could be handstand press-ups. But if you constantly change between them, oh, like, each time you do an overhead press variation, it's, like, it's, it's so hard to actually, like, quantify if you're making any progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I assume that's what the question actually was, is
0: exercise selection, basically. Yeah. Um, Are you really? I assume so.
2: Yeah, it's like,
0: because consistency, as we would usually use the word, generally means like being consistent in turning up and doing sessions. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would argue that you're not. That there's that like varying your training means turning uh, up to some sessions.
1: Yeah.
0: So I, I assume the question is like, yeah, around exercise selection for the most part.
1: Fair.
0: Yeah. Um, and in that case, I suppose like the way we tend to work our training is oh, no. that like a monthly block of training will be fairly consistent, like the exercise selection over the four weeks will be pretty, like will be very consistent actually, um, especially like on, our, on the programme, like the exercise selection over those four weeks will be very, very consistent, will be the same exercise with uh, progression built within that exercise. Um, but then that might, we might vary the movement slightly for the next block of training picking a similar pattern and then being consistent within those movements
2: i think i think it's worth discussing as well like when you would keep consistent exercise very like cons- consistent exercise and when you would add variety in and for the most part like for example if you've got a specific competition like a powerlifting competition where you need to be very good at obviously squat bench and dead the months leading up to that like yeah you'll have a little bit of variation and maybe one or two different movements but you're going to spend most of your time practicing Squats, benches, and deads, and like that's what most of your training is going to be around. Whereas, like when you're further away from that competition, you might have more variety. You might do some like some dumbbell benches. You might do some incline bench. You might do some different sort of varieties of those lifts, um, just to kind of keep it a bit more refreshing for you. Um, And like I said, in terms of sort of the way we program, we tend to have like add in a little bit of variety each month just to keep the program engaging. Um, but obviously it's it's similar enough that you still get a good stimulus to kind of progress going forwards because in reality for like assuming you're hitting sort of all main muscle groups equally doing the same program over and over again and just slowly like adding a little bit of load adding a few reps is probably the best way to stay injury free because you're going to get like you're going to get really really good at performing those lifts you like your consistency of doing that's going to be really good uh whereas if you constantly add new stuff in you constantly have to like learn new skills and kind of adapt so if, if you're constantly doing stuff that you're not very good at and trying to add a lot of load to that again you risk kind of like injury again there you agree with that
1: yeah that's a good point mate if you are constantly changing um changing exercises uh obviously training training same muscle groups then it's really easy to mask um, or to like think you're making progress when the reality is you could well not be. So if you're if you if you just like if you just bench pressed for a year uh, and your bench press was the same for 10 reps at the start of the year versus the end of the year, it's really easy to go to to realise that you've made no progress. But if you've done like a month of bench pressing, a month of decline bench pressing, a month of incline bench pressing, a month of um, like press ups, a month of dumbbell press. Um, and you sort of get to like that year mark and then you're, you compare your bench press versus your incline bench press, um, you can quite easily kid yourself and be like, okay, well, actually, I've got This is a harder exercise. I'm a, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit closer to my bench press. I must be getting stronger. Yeah. Um, whereas like you, you, you you could well not be. When you go back to bench press, you might actually be the exact same because you haven't practiced that skill for the last 11 months. So not only are you not... Um, how, have you not got more muscle you've got equal amount of skill on that movement and that's like you actually haven't got any any better right so constantly changing uh, your exercise selection is probably a really bad idea um for really good idea for sort of like your for the novelty and like keeping things interesting but um probably quite a bad idea for actually like making progress on that yeah. on that thing so in terms of like the most efficient way to make
0: progress in like a real world situation now. so you probably want to have um, as much consistency as possible with as little variety as you need to keep it interesting for yourself. Mm-hmm. So using variety as a way to keep it interesting and therefore let you do the work that you need to do consistently
1: to make progress. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think everyone's got like a different amount that they'll need yeah. to stay Some people interested. love definitely
0: like a really specific, like just turn up squat bench. Dead people just yeah. love powerlifting. It's great. Like, that's cool if you like it. Uh-huh. I'd be more bored mm-hmm. mindless
1: doing that. Like, now, I if you look I at someone like, right um, like, uh, Nick, like Nick, Nicole, yeah. so one of our friends is like incredible at powerlifting, world champion. Her training program is like, it doesn't really deviate much from squat bench and deadlift and variants of that. Yeah. And over the last year, or year and a half, she's made unbelievable amounts of progress, just adding weight to the bar, weight to the bar. I would get so bored. yeah, And I yeah. wouldn't have made anyone, even if um, I had the genetic potential that she's got to to, to, to be as strong, um, I would not have got anyone near as strong, because I would have got really, really bored of doing like three sets of six to eight yeah. on a range of different movements. I so like five exercises over the course of a one hour session, I would find that really, really hard to constantly keep turning up and doing. Yeah. But for her, it's like perfect. She loves that sort of structure. Yeah. And she just constantly makes progress every single month.
0: I think it, everyone, yeah, like you said, everyone falls somewhere like slightly different than that continuum. Because if you were to ask me to trade off never making progress again, but always being able to have like fun for me in mm-hmm. the gym, like it wouldn't bother me not making that much progress and just always enjoying my training um obviously like being able to progress is like is is like i find interesting but if if i had to trade off between the two i would have a really, really varied program that was yeah. just fun
1: for me i would have the same here yeah, for sure
2: yeah i think it's worth mentioning as well like a lot of people see varieties like the change program depths and additional muscle soreness yeah. do you want to talk about that
1: well yeah i mean um whenever you do like a a, a new exercise um the novelty of it often does cause some muscle soreness, but there's pretty good evidence that um, muscle soreness or like, or, or DOMS, delayed onset of muscle soreness, is not indicative or even necessary for, um, for muscle hypertrophy or strength gain. So you absolutely do not need to be chasing soreness to, uh, to grow. So just because the exercise makes you sore Or you're doing a new thing and it made you really sore. Definitely isn't relevant necessarily to overall um, muscle growth. So, so yeah. So like it. um, No, but but doing new things, new exercises, often does make you sore because it's just a new thing that you're not really used to doing. Yeah, I think it's worth
2: saying that like obviously this is obvious to us, but like there's no such thing as like confusing a muscle to make more progress. Like doing a slightly different exercise that makes you sore doesn't mean that like basically i said it doesn't mean that you're gonna progress more because of that yeah um,
1: there's 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 three key principles when it comes to like muscle hypertrophy um those three things are mechanical tension m- metabolic stress and muscle damage
2: Sorry guys, we just had a quick interval for Waffles to go out and have a wee, uh, but she didn't actually, she just ran round in circles like a maniac, so we may have another little interval at some point, <laughs> but back on to uh, Mechanism of Hypertrophy. <laughs> uh,
1: so there's three mechanisms again, metabolic stress, mechanical tension and muscle damage. Um, and so those three things are widely considered to be, well no, they are, they are essential for Um, like maximizing the hypertrophic stimulus Um, but the reality is that like muscle damage kind of falls quite a quite a bit further down the pecking order um, than uh, mechanical tension and metabolic stress Um, and to be perfectly honest the most important one of those things is mechanical tension and all mechanical tension is, is the is the tension that's placed across a muscle so if you um if you imagine if you're doing a like an RD, like a Romanian deadlift for example, as you stretch your hamstrings as you go to the bottom position of that movement, you're placing a lot of active tension across that muscle. Well, on on, on the way down, I suppose it's it's almost passive because um, you're stre- going into a stretch, and then you're pulling yourself back um, in that bo- from that bottom position, and that um, The action of doing that uh, creates a lot of hypertrophy. So placing mechanical tension across a muscle is really, really important. So the other two um, are kind of almost to some extent byproducts of that because you can't create the two without placing some tension across a muscle. Um, And metabolic stress is the... Sort of build up of metabolites. So basically, when you get when when the muscle kind of gets a pump, it's a bit of hypoxia, so a lack of oxygen, um, and the build up of waste products of of exercise, so like lactate and things, uh, giving your muscles a bit of a like making them swell, and the swell actually causes like a lot of cell signaling to um, enhance hypertrophy as well. So that's why things like uh, blood flow restriction training um, can kind of to some extent override the need to use heavy loads um, because mechanical tension dictates that you need to use a heavy load to stretch the muscle so that the mechanical receptors in the muscle can actually feel, detect that stretch and that sends a cell signal to get them to grow. Um, But then if if you occlude blood flow to a muscle, you get essentially extra metabolic stress which can um, allow you to use a lot less loads. If you're injured like Dyer's right now, he has got an absolutely swollen knee might be a really good idea to, to um, tourniquet above um, as high as he can at the joints. Let's say he was doing some leg extensions for his quads, his knees are really injured, so he can't really use any load. So if he just places the tourniquet on top of his leg or a strap or something, he can use a lot less load and still create a lot of um, metabolic stress, which will have the positive impact of potentially um, uh, to produce some hypertrophic stimulus. So we need we need those things, um, and the the, the the best way to, to create those things is to do things that, a place a lot of tension across the muscle, and b that we're good enough at to allow us to use as much load as possible, um, and do as many reps as possible, so that we can so we can do those things, and so if you're constantly changing um, exercises and stuff, all you're going to get out of those things is lots of muscle damage, which isn't as important as the other two, by any means. There's a lot of like intensity there (laughs) yeah basically if you do things that you're good at or that you're um skilled at you can use more load which creates more metabolic uh more mechanical tension um and you'll probably be able to do more reps um which will allow you to create more metabolic stress which is probably a really really good thing Um, and if you constantly do new things you will create more muscle damage, but we know that muscle damage isn't really as important as those other two things. Yeah. So you're... And you wouldn't ever get good enough back yeah exercise to then
0: apply those other two principles. Yeah. Uh, that actually leads on really well. It's the next question, which is, again, in the form of a statement, balancing gaining size and strength with skill training. Ooh.
2: Great statement. <laughs> <to take> <laughs> well... I guess, sort of, like I said, continuing on from the previous topic, to, to get better at any skill, you just need to practice that skill. Um, and you could consider strength to be a skill. Um, hypertrophy, probably, like, less so. But any kind of, like, strength work is is going to be a skill. But, like, it, it depends what your kind of main priorities is. Um, you absolutely can do both at once. But if you absolutely smash yourself through some strength and hypertrophy training, chances are you're probably gonna have a less time and less, like have less sort of ability to practice the higher level skill stuff. So it's it's just basically balancing it. I've not explained that very well at all, have I? No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I've what, just waffles. What you did was just <laughs>
0: entirely <laughs> reframe the statement <laughs> in a much more long-winded way. You basically just stated back to us, that balancing the two is a bit difficult.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, if you, in, when, so we when, hope
0: you can balance it better than Tom can. <laughs>
1: when you do send us questions, don't do that. <laughs>
0: I, I think I knew what you were getting at, man. Mm, yeah, that was terrible. Um, it, essentially, yes, it is, it is a balancing act. You cannot have optimal amounts of both at, the same time mm-hmm. it is not optimal to train for hypertrophy and like hand balancing scale to the fullest extent possible simultaneously
1: yeah that's, that's absolutely why it's
0: not like hand balancers are not jacked bodybuilders mm-hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a reason in that so it is a balance now
1: yeah definitely it definitely is a balance now like to some extent um, getting better at one of those things so getting more muscle um, could potentially make you worse at doing um, some of the highly skilled things. Like if you add more weight to your body, handstands become harder, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you are stronger. Um, you know, getting bigger legs does not help you do a handstand. <laughs> definitely does not. Definitely doesn't help with planche. No. <laughs> so, it like, like the boys have said, it definitely is a balancing act. But you just have to when you it's to a lot to a large extent, everything that you do is is well no everything you do is always your choice so you just have to decide when you're coming to that conclusion what is more important and so we obviously can't say what is or what isn't important to you but for us we know that what we want to be is really good at as many things as possible um, so we, we essentially want to be good at all the skills we want to um, have really aesthetic physiques and we want to be able to do loads of fitness as long as we can do those three things and cover the bases across all those things as best we can, there'll be times when we might focus on more skill-based things, more aerobic-based things, more strength-based things. But um, for us, we would, um, well, me anyway, I would happily uh, trade um, not being the absolute best at one of those things to get a little bit better at all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just have to ask yourself, like, what is what is it you actually want to get out of it? And if it is just being quality at everything, then, the, then you sort of have to accept that you're never going to be the absolute best at all of it anyway. And the reality is you probably never were going to be anyway, because if you weren't the best when you were 15, you're never going to be the best in the yeah. world at anything, probably, because there's someone else who's been doing it since they were five. Yeah. And so to get really good at it, you can definitely do whilst getting actually quality at loads of other things as well. So you can get, you can be a really good um, hand balancer. You can get really good at calisthenics. You can get a twice bodyweight squat. You can get a two and a half times bodyweight deadlift. You can run a twenty k, um, a, a twenty minute five k. You can do all those things um, and be really, really good at all of it, um, and and definitely balance it all. But if you yeah. do want to get really specific, you just have to get specific about it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think in the context of like most people as well it's sort of that consistency variety thing again. The fact that you're doing other things that you find so much fun, if you're similar to us and you find doing like the skill stuff fun, it makes you more consistent. So you actually get, while those like gains might be sort of slower, you're getting them across the board as -hmm. opposed to going through like lulls in training where you can't be bothered. Like the fact that you can keep your training fun because you're training all those things means that you're more consistent and just get like, Sort of marginal, slower gains across the board.
1: Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's a good point because if, when you, when you do put all your eggs in one basket, for every extra hour you spend training that skill, you get even less progress, better than you did for the previous hour. Yeah. Um, so just getting good, at, or just constantly practicing lots of lots of things, allows you to get better at everything at a rate that isn't really frustrating. Because you can only progress at a very finite rate, anyway. Yeah. And if you add um, like skills to your repertoire across a range of things, um, then you might progress at you know seventy-five percent the rate that you would have done otherwise. But that's still quite a lot of progress versus yeah. what you would. Have, does that make any sense? Yeah. I think so. Like if you if you just did one thing, you could make you'd make as much progress as you possibly could. Yeah. But if you did a few other things, you might not make as much progress in that one thing. But it would be only a little bit less, and as a result, it would be much easier to stomach. Not getting loads better at this one thing, which is already hard to do, yeah. Because you're getting better at all the other things as well. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I suppose um, should like we've gone over it a bit before. We talk about other practicalities then of actually balancing that within a program, because it is still, like I mm-hmm. said, it is a balancing act. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like coming up with a program that covers all those bases, so if they said skill training, let's. Like assume they mean something like handstands and uh, front levers or something like that mm-hmm. that is like body weight skill, um, but then also wanting to add size and strength as well. Um, we know that like size and strength, especially for lower body, probably you're going to need to like focus on like squats and deadlifts, basically like standard compound lifts. So not a lot changes there, but then in terms of the upper body and the skill stuff, like the majority of all the upper body work we do is is body weight. I you still like use some supplemental stuff for like barbells and those, but the majority of the work we do for upper body is like body weight stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So, the, so you, that that's
1: like the priority with upper
0: body training is mm-hmm. is like the skill side of it. So the only
1: reason you wouldn't use body weight for a specific movement would be because body weight was too hard. Yeah. So let's say you are trying to get better at handstand press ups, and handstand press ups are unavailable to you at the moment, then you're going to have to get stronger overhead. Yeah. So you might want to use kettlebells, barbells, dumbbells for your overhead pressing. At the same time, though, you can absolutely still keep training your handstand. You can keep training, like, pike press-ups. You can keep training, like, feet elevated pike press-ups, handstand press-up negatives, all those sort of things um, to ensure that you're training the skill that you want to improve at um, whilst training in a manner that's going to get you stronger and then using supplementary, supplementary, like, free weight stuff to allow you to get enough volume into that movement to keep getting stronger, um as well. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a pretty solid one, do that's so what I, I said I think at the start. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but, but then over time you'll just you get so good at doing the body weight things you you don't really need to use
0: yeah. supplementary things around it's it. It's like if you're literally just talking about it from the point of view of hypertrophy, like you said about the like the mechanisms of hypertrophy. There's absolutely no reason that just using your body weight, you can't manipulate Mm -hmm. it enough that you can create absurd amounts of tension over all of the muscles you need to in your upper body. Absolutely. That's why gymnasts are so absolutely jacked, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Ridiculous amounts of tension. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, most unbelievable bikes. (laughs) Work yourself (laughs) towards an uh, an iron cross and your lats are going to be huge, aren't they? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. Cool. I think that covers that one quite nicely. So, next statement. Thank you. Should we not call these question and answers (laughs) (laughs) statements? (laughs) Discussion episodes. Nutrition for CrossFit. (laughs) Um, We should caveat this with yes. We highly recommend using nutrition for CrossFit. If you try to do CrossFit without any nutrition, you will probably die.
1: I think everything without nutrition eventually leads to death yeah
2: <laughs> some form of nutrition is definitely needed isn't That's it def- it's an easy discussion this one yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. use nutrition for CrossFit
1: do you do, you do nutrition <laughs> when you do CrossFit or do, anything else to that matter do you know what a, te- a terrible idea is? yeah
2: going low carb and doing a paleo diet for CrossFit that is a
1: bad idea yeah. who's done that uh, most CrossFitters yeah <laughs> <laughs> they didn't miss yeah yeah <laughs> It's kind of synonymous they, with CrossFit. They, paleo is, mate. They answered no to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Nutrition for CrossFit? No. <laughs> but yeah, um, it is unbelievable that that diet, specifically low carb and paleo, has, has got. Has it still got a lot of weight in the CrossFit yeah, I think community? So. Fuck me, they're idiots, aren't they? Had something well, that's those. like the thing on.
0: The description of CrossFit starts with eat meat and vegetables. Oh yeah, like, you... no sugar. That li- is a little fruit. That is a great <laughs> no <statement>, starches, <laughs> so... um,
1: that's, that's a great. That post I'll, is uh... unbelievable. Yeah, that's on the CrossFit bath gym on the door. It's one of my favourite posts of all time. Eat meat. Well, vegetarian, you're out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't come back. <laughs> Ridiculous. one of the most funny statements it's 100, 100 words of CrossFit and it alienates probably every single person yeah. so, <laughs> description this is nutrition for CrossFit
0: as recommended by CrossFit eat meat and vegetables nuts and seeds some fruit, little starch and no sugar keep intake to levels that will support exercise but not body fat it's actually not terrible
1: That's quite like, terrible oh yeah it is it's better than a lot of people. <laughs> <do. laughs> I still want to get the um. I want to get the one that's uh, the hundred words of CrossFit. That is. That is it. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not
0: hundred words, though, is it? No, but there's I there's more. Mean the rest of it, but it's about training and stuff. Then. <laughs> 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 um. But at the end of the day, nutrition for CrossFit is. You can just remove CrossFit from that. It's like nutrition is, the same. Yeah. Uh, you eat to support whatever your goals are at the time like crossfit in and of itself is absolutely no different to any other training or sport
2: yeah assuming most people like or a lot of people do crossfit they want performance as a yeah. goal rather yeah. than sort of like that's uh, why i guess eating
0: carbs is a good idea isn't it?
2: yeah <laughs> eating carbs is a great idea so anytime you do high intensity exercise your body needs to use glycogen to fuel that, which it's going to get from carbs. If you don't eat many carbs, you're probably not going to have full glycogen, which is going to mean that it's just going to be much harder and your performance is going to be much worse than if you'd eaten quite a lot of carbs. And that's obviously within kind of calorie allowance and everything else. But, um, yeah, not eating starches is a very bad idea for CrossFit. Yeah.
1: So there's like um, a lot a lot of people do... Um, heavily over consume carbohydrate just that's just like a really common thing to do in in the western world like people don't eat enough vegetables they eat enough protein and they're like their breakfast is cereal toast their lunch is like do you know what i mean like a sandwich and their dinner is like some sort of like carbohydrate source they definitely don't don't have enough um other things in their diet and they probably do over consume carbohydrate but, but as soon as you that person does a lot of activity especially a lot of crossfit where the main like if you look at any crossfit workout the main fuel source will be carbohydrate um because it's like a you know 15 to 20 minute high intensity workout workout where your heart rate is pretty high for the duration of the exercise and they're pretty intense bouts of those activities whatever whatever they are um, and so your performance will literally be better when you're fueled. And there might be times when you want to do non un- like, cause you periodizing your carbohydrate intake for, um, like, a, like for certain activities, like if, if, you, if you were doing an exercise by fasted or you were doing, um, or you wanted to create specific adaptations, you could do things in a low carbohydrate state. So whether that's fasted in the morning or before you've had any carbohydrates, you just had like a meal of protein in the morning or something like that, then yeah, you can use that as a as a as an extra means to make to get more out of that exercise bout. But that's a terrible idea to do for every exercise bout because you'll never perform at your best.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's like the kind of fat burning zone that people always like have the misconception about. It's like the lower intensity of effort that you're using or the low intensity of exercise that you're doing the more like the majority of your energy will come from fat stores um that's not to say you'll burn more fat but more of the energy you do use will be synthesized from fat and as you do higher intensity exercise more of that has to come from glycogen and carbs because it's much easier for the body to break down and synthesize straight away whereas fat takes a long time and is is hard to do quickly um so that's why doing like high a high intensity workout like a crossfit workout it's like you're going to perform better if you've got good stores of glycogen and
1: carbs in your body well you simply can't access those really really high outputs in the absence of carbohydrate um like you, you you just don't hit the same um level of performance like it's some of the easiest um Studies on this sort of stuff are done just on bikes because it's really, really easy to measure. Yeah, like really easy to measure. You can, um, so you can measure like time to or like max distance in an hour, fueled, um, fueled like fueled fueled with carbohydrates, fueled with carbs and caffeine. Do you know what I mean? You can do loads of different little tests on on things like that. You can do it fasted. You can do it. Um, after a, an exercise bout in the evening, and then that person has slept overnight without refeeding carbohydrate, and then done the bout in the morning again. Yes. So you can do all these different things, um, and it's you know it's been known for years, like <laughs> tens of years, probably since like the nineteen forties or something that carbohydrates enhance performance. That is literally what that is literally what their their role is, and they're, and they're, I think they went through like a period, um, maybe like you know ten twenty years ago where and potentially even like some football clubs today a lot of people are probably overfueling for the work required yeah they they they're like everyone's like oh have carbs have carbs have carbs and they're potentially definitely overfueling for the for the cuz cuz the reality is if you do a cross like of 20 minutes you're not really using that many carbohydrates yeah. you don't need that many but to do it off none is stupid or to do it off none without the intention that you're training low, um, that's what it's called in, in, in the research, training in a low um, glycogen availability state, um, is just a terrible idea because you're literally going to make worse progress over time. But it's... but So, so it's like... Um, depends just how much detail you want to go into, really, but... Most... People... Fear carbohydrates for... Totally the wrong reasons. Um, and should definitely especially if performance is your main goal you want to get better at whatever you're doing you do want to have an amount of carbohydrate in your diet for that performance and to eat low carb all the time is just so silly yeah yeah Other it's that, the same as
0: like general guidelines on nutrition so if you're talking somewhere between like one and a half two grams of protein per kilo of body weight mm-hmm. And then finding the rest between a balance of carbs and fats, not avoiding one or the other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, is probably like, and everyone has a sort of preference in that mm-hmm. that mix that tends to suit them. Yeah, definitely. But but that's like nutrition on its own anyway. Yeah, and CrossFit. Yeah, is no
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, like you want you want to provide carbohydrates, which are you want to provide fuel for the work required as much as you possibly can um and people who do a lot more activity need more um want to have more fuel if you are doing sort of like a an hour-long run a day plus some sort of resistance training plus maybe some biking you're going to need a lot more than someone who does crossfit but only trains for 20 minutes a day yeah despite the fact that that crossfit activity might have used a higher percentage of carbohydrate yeah. for the duration of that task um But there are definitely ways like it having a blanket recommendation or whenever anyone says do this do that in all cases you can pretty much tell say to that person you're an idiot yeah that's a terrible idea because everything needs to have some sort of con- context, like context around it and everything that, 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 that there is a good reason for certain things um, like there is a good reason to train without carbohydrates sometimes. It increases mitochondrial biogenesis, which is like the production of more mitochondria. So if you want to get better at running um, long or, or like endurance-based activities, doing some exercise fast it is a great idea because you have to do less training and get more adaptation. But if you want to win races and you just train without any, any, any energy available, you're going to be pretty shit at racing because you'll never be able to do those high performance um uh training sessions yeah. where you get better at racing do you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely so like you just need to uh, yeah just 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 like think through what is actually being said it's like it's it's just the uh, like hierarchy of nutrition isn't it? Mm-hmm. so
0: start with calories then protein and mm-hmm. like just break everything down from there so one last thing before we move on quickly then Uh, Figuring out energy requirements, so that's probably like the main thing. Mm. Most is actually knowing how much to eat because there's like a lot of people in CrossFit. I think it's quite associated with like intermittent fasting and stuff like that as well, Um, which could be a great technique for dieting. But it's probably a bit too much to go into now. But just figuring out rough energy
1: requirements, how would you sort of start off doing that? So all rough energy requirements should be based off body weight initially. Yeah. So you want to take your body weight, um, and then Multiply by an amount depending on whether you're a boy, girl, how much activity you do, and then take that and then multiply it again by a leveler.
0: We'll link the Yes, uh, we'll link a calculator for working out like a rough starting point for your energy
1: requirements. Yeah, that's the best, yeah. that's the best thing to. Do. We'll, we'll, we'll link something below. Um, below. No, it's under the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can just um input your data into that. And all the data will be is your age your um, your weight and like a rough idea of how much weekly activity you do and how much uh, and how active your job is and as long as you do that then um, that won't be like the be all end of that it. just be a rough estimation to, to, to where you are and then if you really want to get specific around it you can take that number you can track your actual food intake for about a week um, compare what you've eaten Versus what the estimator gave you, track your body weight every day for a week as well. Take the average of that. Do the same thing again for the next week, and compare the averages together. And if you find that your weight is stayed pretty constant between those two weeks, then that's definitely a maintenance level for you. If you've dropped, if your week one average versus your week two average is a little bit less, um, then you've obviously put on a bit of weight. Then it's a slight surplus for you, and if vice versa your week two average is lower than your week one average then you've dropped a little bit of weight and it's a slight deficit for you so that's the most accurate way of actually um having a look at your expenditure day-to-day you can obviously get like a, a watch yeah. but they're riddled with inaccuracy but they're not but then but then again they're fairly they're fairly consistent so yeah yeah you know that if you're watching, you did 3,000 one day and 4,000 the next day, you've definitely been more active. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then you can just use all that data to, to manipulate it with mm-hmm. whatever your goals may be.
2: Yeah. yeah. The, big, the, the main thing for most people, if you can build like a little bit of awareness around how much you eat and sort of what yeah. that's made up of, a little bit of awareness of sort of your daily activity, just like how much you walk, how much you move around and what your training is, like that, having that data will just give you like a really nice way to just manipulate based on on those things. So if you know you have a day where you sat for a, like quite a long time, was like you know to probably eat a little bit less. Yeah. Um. The more aware of those things you can be, the like the be- the easier it is to kind of just have freedom within it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's
0: probably like it's a really good idea for most people to do something like Ali just said. Take like two weeks to track and just actually like helps you just learn so much about what's in different foods as well when you're tracking your consumption, which is just, just a really useful thing to know Yeah, definitely. all the time. I think things like CrossFit, we, we sort of briefly discussed this before, but it's types of exercise like CrossFit and high intensity, like intervals and stuff, where people can drastically uh, overestimate how much energy they've actually consumed doing it because like, mm-hmm. they've like absolutely smashed themselves with this. Like could even be like a five-minute workout some of the CrossFit ones, or, like two-minute workouts where they just leave you on your ass. And they think because they've smashed themselves, they can go home and eat like like loads and loads of food and wonder why they're not losing weight because they're smashing mm-hmm. themselves in the gym but not like losing any weight. Um, so having an idea of how much is in your food yeah. is like really, really
2: useful. Well, going back to the first point as well, like if there's so much variety in the CrossFit sessions that some sessions have like a yeah. lot of energy expenditure and some yeah, have definitely. minimal and you eat the same all the time, your weight could fluctuate as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Right then. Uh, We were going to answer some more questions, but we answered them so thoroughly and in depth, as I'm sure you'll agree, that we don't have any time for more. So we'll move on to uh, some more statements that we'll discuss (laughs) next episode. Uh, If you would like to send us some blanket statements um, for us to discuss, then please do. Uh, But we'll only answer them if you've left us a five star review already. (laughs) And share this with all your friends.
2: Please share with the mates. Please. That'd be very nice. I just waved at the mic. I did it. I, do, I think I do it every week. usually <laughs> Bye-bye. 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 I do a wave that I would never do in real life <laughs> yeah. as well. More of a rotation than a side to side. Bye.
0: Bye.
2: Bye.